Hey there, I'm Matthew Foley and this is ISO Insights, where God's truth grows in the midst of current culture, renewing the mind and spirit. Welcome back to ISO Insights, the podcast brought to you by International School of the Word. And today we have one of our teachers, one of our instructors, Pastor Adam Bauer, uh, who's a, a favorite here among the staff. We love Pastor Adam. He's awesome. Uh, he's coming on. He's a pastor of Praise Community Church in Praise Community. I'll say that clearly. Praise Community Church. I mumbled there in York, Pennsylvania. He's been in ministry for, I would guess, over 10 years now. Uh, and he uh, has taught at this point two, and I'm sure probably more in the future, but two courses for ISO. Uh, the first one is pastoral epistles, and the second one is the practical use of spiritual gifts. So, Pastor Adam, I am, I am ecstatic to have you on today. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And um, the big thing about Pastor Adam that, first of all, he's just got a really encouraging demeanor about him, really easy to talk to. Uh, but one of the most amazing things is he really, uh, I would say, emphasizes in his congregate, congregation people being able to hear and operate in the gifts of the Spirit and to take mm-hmm. risks uh, out of faith, that God's going to yeah. show up and do amazing things. So that's one of the big things I wanted to talk about uh, today and just let him go off and talk about. First of all, uh, Pastor Adam, could you tell everybody what, because uh, I know you grew up Methodist uh, in your background, and they didn't really necessarily focus a lot in that preaching and that movement on that kind of way of handling spiritual gifts that you're used to. Could you talk about your background with the Lord, how you came to know him, um, the events that kind of preceded you getting to know the Lord uh, and him introducing you to the the Holy Spirit's power in the way that you now know it? Yeah, yeah. I am, unfortunately, or fortunately, been 20, I'm almost in another year, I'll be 20 years in ministry. Mm. And it'll actually 20 be years? Oh, I went off the LinkedIn years. page. So yeah. <laughs> under the number there. Yeah. So I, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you know, John Wesley. Wow. I mean, he, he's an incredible guy. He founded the Methodist church yeah. and, you know, like mm-hmm. most things, if things ever die spiritually or relationally, and I'm not saying they did, what I'm saying mm-hmm. is my experience mm-hmm. was not one of like, high spiritual testimony. Yeah. You know, when someone said, would you share your testimony at my church today? We mean, what did God do through you this week? Mm -hmm. That couldn't have been known. Back then, if you were to ask me, if someone was asked, could you share your testimony? You'd say, when I was 10 years old, I received Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. How'd you get saved? Um, Yeah. And I I grew up going to church and, you know, I went to church camp, man, did I love church camps. They were so cool. And there was always a time at church camp, sort of towards the end of the end of the week, where they would invite you um, to have Jesus Christ come into your heart, you mm-hmm. know. And one year I was at Camp Penn, we were out in the woods, and there was a a, a fire and brimstone uh, speaker talking about going to hell. And uh, do you remember God's eyes? They were like the little strings that you'd make, and you'd have the two popsicle sticks like this, and you'd make a pattern out of yarn. I think I, I if, do. I think I do. That, that made a yeah like gimp and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I had a God and I remember I was wrapping the yarn around these popsicle sticks, not really paying attention to what the guy was saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, so got up and went forward to accept Christ. And so I looked and I was like, well, I don't want to be left out. So I went mm. up, I went and the guy said, do you know what you're doing up here? And I was like, no. And he said, well, do you want to accept Jesus? And I said, yes. And I didn't feel anything. Some other kids were crying. I went and sat back down. And then when I got home, something was different because I couldn't stop reading my good news Bible. 
that I had. And every night I would pull out the Good News Bible. And I don't know, like, as a 12-year-old kid reading that, it was so, like, rated mature, you yeah, know? Yeah, I'm sure. As, like, I, I turned right to the Gospels, and I was reading about, um, like, the first story I read, I'll never forget it, was the parable of the talents and that guy with one talent being chopped to pieces. Mm. And I was like, holy moly. And th- there's the, the spirit of the fear of the Lord hit me in such a way that like as a 12 year old kid, I was like, I'm, that's not going to be me. Mm. There's no way that's going to be me. And I actually believed in what the Bible was saying as a 12 year old after I received him into my heart. And now that I'm older, I understand that it's not that I was reading the Bible. It's that the Holy spirit was reading that passage to me. And he was highly involved Mm. when I was, he made it real in my heart. And so after that, I kind of, you know, it's funny I was I was the youngest in my family growing up, so everybody loved me, and so I had a great <laughs> I had a great childhood experience. And you had all these older siblings that were messing up, so you kind of learned what not to do and how to play the field a little bit better. <laughs> and uh, so that's where my demeanor comes from is I, I got to learn from other people what not to do in life, and uh, so I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't it was the fear of the Lord that brought me to Christ, not the love of God, mm. right? Because when I found out that God loved me, I was like, yeah, everybody does. You know, wow. that's not, that's not, that's not <laughs> new to me. But when the fear of the Lord hit me, it so like gripped my heart. So, you know, kind of like moving forward, I, I ended up just kind of like most people, the enemy comes along. He really messes with you, tries to plant mm-hmm. seeds in your heart about your parents, about life, about you. And, um, but when I was 16 years old, there was this really opportune time that the enemy came along. My older brother was in a grenade accident. He died at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Mm. And that was the, the first kind of serious issue I had to deal with, you know, and I really needed God to show up. And I remember beg, I was begging God, God, please, like, let me know you're real. Right. Cause I had not had an encounter in which I had in my heart decided like I'm a hundred percent on this thing. Mm-hmm. And anyway, nothing happened for months. And I, I got so upset with the Lord. I told him, I'm never going to talk to you again. You know, I was trying to be- twist his arm, manipulate the Lord mm-hmm. and uh, get him to do something. And one night, I remember I swore him off forever. I said, this is our last conversation. We're, we're no longer in relationship. And I, cause I don't even think you're real. And I went down into my bedroom and, and I didn't know there was such a thing, but the presence of the Lord was in my room. And so when I walked into my room, I fell down on the ground and I started to intercede for the people who had killed my brother. I didn't know that you could intercede for other people. I'd never heard that word before, but it's almost like when you get in his presence, you start to feel his heart. And I began mm. to feel his heart for these people who felt so guilty, who were part of the accident that my brother was involved in. And I, and I had murderous thoughts towards these people. I mm. wanted them I wanted them dead because I was so angry. And I'm sure there was all spiritual stuff involved in that. But anyway, I got up and I think I was delivered of whatever was going on in me. And I went to bed that night and I thanked God. I said, God, I just thank you so much. And I went to bed. Now, I don't know what my theology is on this. And so I'm not ready to die on this hill. All I'm doing is telling you my experience, Mm. okay? Um, I went to bed that night, and the whole time I had been asking the Lord, can I say goodbye to my brother, right? That night I had a dream that I went upstairs, and outside of the kitchen window was my brother. And him and I had a conversation, and the conversation maybe lasted two minutes. He said what he needed to say. I said what I needed to say. He told me I couldn't come outside, that he loved me, and everything was going to be okay. And he walked away and I woke up and I was like, oh my goodness, like God's real, you know? And I was so excited. And 
um, I was just filled with joy. But then it hit me, if God's real, then I have to act a certain way. So and I know this isn't heroic. I decided that God wasn't real because I wasn't ready to change my life. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, but, but a lot of people do it, though. I'm not going to say that yeah. I, you know, I would be any better. Yeah, so I wasn't ready to give up some vices that I was using to kind of cope with his death. And, mm. But moving forward, I started to have these experiences that were um, very much encounters with the Lord and to the point where it was ridiculous. Like, So I went back to church camp as a 16-year-old kid. I was a junior counselor for mm. uh, school kids. And I, I had this experience in the woods where in my right ear, I heard you're going to be a pastor, right? It wasn't a will you, it was a you are. And it was a command and it was so real. I swung at the air cause I was alone in the woods and you can imagine how terrifying that was. And the voice was so certain about that, that it was terrifying. Right. Mm. So it wasn't like, oh, okay. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was mm-hmm. like, ah, you know, like, and, and like I ran back cause I was, I was terrified. Right. And so sorry for all that acting. Yeah. Um, that's we, we welcome it like that. That makes yeah. it even more engaging. Come on. Well, yeah. So I, I, I ran back to the whole group and um, and I didn't tell anybody because I didn't I, I felt like I was going crazy. And then I would have these moments where I would go outside. I'd get in the car and I'd have a conversation with God. I said, God, I'm not a pastor. I think that's not I think that's just me. And I remember one time I was telling him out why I'm not a pastor. And I drove by this church sign and it said, God has spoken. Why haven't you obeyed? And I was like, okay, um, this is, this is getting crazy. And then uh, I, there was just, every time I told him I wasn't going to do it, he would in, in, within the hour send confirmation that that's what I was supposed to do. That's crazy. And that happened like three or four. Yeah. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't even know there was a charismatic church or mm-hmm. um, people. I didn't know what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I had not encountered a spirit filled person or anything. The Toronto revival was going on. And I knew somebody who had gone there, but I didn't get to really hear any testimony. And I didn't really understand what they were doing there, you know. Mm. Um, but meanwhile, like one of the biggest revivals on the earth was happening. And I'm just sitting in my house in Pennsylvania. That would have been cool to go, you know. Um, but uh, just kind of to fast forward, I did my best with what I had. Um, and I felt like, you know, you don't have to be filled with the spirit to hear from the Lord because – the Lord says that um, he's, going to, he's going to lead you and guide you into truth. So you have the Holy Spirit for your sake when you become a believer, right? Mm-hmm. And he wants to speak to you. You get filled with the Holy Spirit for their sake. Um, you get empowered for the sake of other people. So I had the Holy Spirit. I had him talking to me, and he was leading and guiding me, and he was very comforting. And, and that, was, that was, you know, awesome. Uh, but then when I turned 30 years old— uh, Everything that I was a part of, as far as the church, was kind of falling apart. The uh, the head pastor had committed some sins that were very obvious, and the congregation's trust was broken, and everything was becoming unglued. And they took me as the youth pastor and said, "Now you're in charge of this." Oh my! And I was, I don't want to go down with this ship. You know, I don't want to think of this. I don't want to be responsible for this mess. And, uh, so as we went from like a congregation of 300 all the way down into 100 my buddy went to a conference where he was filled with the Holy spirit. He actually went there to be delivered of pornography and he was a Lutheran youth pastor and he got radically filled with the Holy spirit. So he only survived another six months at that church before they fired him. Wow. Uh, wow. 
was so, so excited. Yeah, but so many kids got touched by by that. So he didn't leave that. He didn't leave that generation not filled with the Holy Spirit, which is mm-hmm. cool. But that's a different story. But he came to me and he laid his hands on me in the kitchen because I asked him to. He said, "Hey, I had this experience, and I was so desperate for God to do something." I said, "Do you think He would fill me with the Holy Spirit?" And my buddy said, "I don't know if He will," which is such an honest answer. And he said, but I can lay hands on you like they did and say what they said, mm. right? Because like we, we don't hang out with charismatic people. All we know is that he got, he had this power, power encounter at a conference and they said and did things. So now he's going to say and do things and we'll wow. see if it happens. Well, he laid hands on me and I was just sitting there like this and politely I was going to turn around and tell him, you can stop praying, nothing's happening. And I couldn't move. I was frozen and I couldn't speak, which was really scary. And then all of a sudden, um, it's like somebody picked me up by my belt and threw me on the floor. Like it wasn't like subtle. It wasn't graceful. It was like, ah, you know, Mm -hmm. and my head bounced off the wood and I started like screaming. Right. And I started crying and it was these very extreme emotions. At one point I was laughing. I look like a maniac. I'm so Mm -hmm. glad no one, uh, you know, what I, what I really think was going on was God was getting rid of all the lies that were in me that were planted and just kind of filling me with his Holy Spirit. And yeah. so all this was being pushed out. And uh, after that, man, it was just game on. I was so excited. I started to meet some charismatic people. Uh, one of them told me you could heal the sick. And I was like, get out of town. <laughs> what, what do you do? He's like, you lay hands on them and you tell it to go. And I was like, I'll give it a go. You know, and then all of a sudden... You're just so innocent with your experience that you're just believing what the Bible says. And everything that the Spirit was doing now all of a sudden sticks out, mm-hmm. right? And now you're reading the book of Acts and it makes sense. And now you're reading Paul's letters and it makes sense. And it's it's like, this is incredible. And then you just start to run with people who've been doing it longer than you. Mm. And, and you begin to understand. I understood how God was talking to me, but now I understand when he's talking to me about you, mm. right? And that's, that's where things get really fun. Wow. That's incredible. And that's really kind of one of the big things that you talked about when you've come here at ISO is uh, everybody, I'll say this, I want to say this, and I'm not at any point trying to throw old school Pentecostalism under the, you know, under the bus, because I grew up in that. um, And God has used that movement to bring this kind of encounter with the Holy Spirit to people's eye. Like it's always been there throughout history, but now before Jesus comes back, it's like the Lord's causing this re reemerging focus on how the church needs to operate so that the gospel yeah. can go everywhere so that people can know that God's real. But a lot of people struggle because e- even if you, you know, you believe those things happen, you can grow up in the church and have this mindset of, well, yeah, but that's like, that's what the pastor does, or that's what the elders do, or you have to be a particularly spiritual and holy person. And I'm not that, like, I I love the Lord, but I don't have that kind, I'm not that strong. So people get ideas in their head, and it just feels like it's this insurmountable thing to actually function in gifts of the Holy Spirit. But every time you come here, it's been pretty crazy, because you're just really straightforward about it. You're like, no, no, let's just take all the mystique out of it, and let's just talk about Let's treat it like it's normal. Like this is just a normal part of how you live. And that's one of the things I love about uh, how you present the spiritual gifts. Like, um, you know, for instance, when you're in your own congregation, uh, how would you tell your people, well, guys, you know, if you're praying for a word of knowledge, this is how you go about that. Yeah, well, okay. So on Tuesday, 
Let me just say, like what you just said there, um, you kind of you kind of said it, and I just want to make it clear. It the the goal of gathering is to spur one another on towards loving good deeds, mm. right? And what I've been really struggling with is trying to get across to people is that we're not called as a church to lead and guide people in the truth. That's what the Holy Spirit's called to do, mm. right? So we're going to speak truth and we're going to live truth, but we're not called to teach people the truth. And, and like you might say, what does that mean? Like, mm. let me just say it this way. You should be in everything that we do, teaching people to go to the Holy Spirit. Because I can't convict anybody, and technically I can't teach anybody. And First John actually hits on that. He says, "For you don't need anybody to teach you. You have a teacher." Mm. Now I'm not disregarding teachers, right? Because certainly uh, I've been so blessed by teachers, so I'm not downplaying that. But oftentimes we don't teach people to rely on the Holy Spirit, and we don't have a high bar for people. Mm. And and so it really matters who you run with because. Like I'm, I'm uh, currently getting my doctorate right now and I'm, I'm interviewing a lot of pastors and it's funny. A lot of the pastors of smaller churches view themselves higher when it comes to humility than larger churches, hmm. even though these people are being trusted with more, they see themselves as less humble than some of these people down there. They actually see themselves as more humble. Hmm. And I, but I find that interesting and I got into the bottom of it. People who are in larger churches hang out with people who are even in much larger churches people in smaller churches don't hang out with people who are in larger churches. So what, what am I saying? If you're, let's say, let's just say um, you're a four when it comes to spiritual gifts. Okay. And what I, what I mean by that in your experience and in your practice, I know it's like, what do you mean by a four? Let's just say you're a four mm-hmm. um, and you hang out with twos. You're going to look like an eight uh, yeah. and you're going to mm-hmm. look like an eight, you know? Um, and so, like, and you just described it. So you said, Adam, when you come, it's just like, hey, this is this is that, right? Well, I hang out with people that are more bold than me. Mm-hmm. So I, like, I see myself as like a two. I see them as eights, and I see my need to grow. Mm-hmm. And I keep putting myself in environments where I'm the little man on the totem pole. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, um, I don't mean to get you know, spiritually weird and say totem pulse. No, people need to, they, they need to get past that. If that's an yeah. issue, that should be easy yeah. to get past. <laughs> we don't have totem poles. So it's just, you know, just the same. Um, so I want to keep myself in the place of a two, hang out with eight. So I see my needs so that I'll humble myself mm-hmm. and, and, and put myself in a place of, of a need for growth. Right. So that's what makes maybe our church a little bit different. It's that we keep, sharing, spurring one another on towards loving good deeds. Like I was just at uh, the gas station. Mm-hmm. Every time I go into this gas station, there's this 22-year-old kid. He's got like this like beard. He's got like the crazy curly hair, the hat on, and he's always getting in trouble, mm-hmm. right? Man's always having a conversation with him. And I said, man, I, I just in my heart, I was like, he's supposed to be in business for himself. Wow. I just know it. And so, and it's a word of knowledge uh, about him. And I, I went up to him the other day. And I, you know, I checked out twice before I didn't say anything to him. Mm-hmm. And then the third time I was like, you're such a coward. Get back in there. I put my coffee down. I went back in. I said, excuse me. Can I talk to you, sir? I said, what's your name? And his name's, his name's like Jason. And I said, Jason, I said, um, you're called to be an entrepreneur. You're going to have your own business one day. And I said, the reason why you have such a problem with, with authority is because you're actually called to be one. Mm. And, uh, you know, and wow. so I, I, I just want you to know that I hear that in my heart every time I see you. He goes, man, I love what you just said. I said, well, it's, it's from the Lord. I said, have a great day. And I walked out, right? 
Wow. So now, well, what is that? That's a testimony. And what do I do with that? Well, I share it with people. Why? Because do I need to be heard? No. Like, I'm trying to get people to become who they can be in Christ. Mm. I'm not trying to build a church. Wow. Do you see the difference? Yeah, yeah. And so you're, you're, you're through relationships sharing stories about what God's doing through you. Trust me, I, don't, I can't do anything <laughs> apart from the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. So it's his wisdom. It's his gifts. And they're just all I do is spend time with him in the morning so that he resides on me during the day. I believe that he does. I believe that the thoughts I have or the things I see in my mind or hear could be from the Lord. If they're not, who cares, mm-hmm. right? Um, if I miss it, I miss it. And so I don't go around saying, thus saith the Lord. I just simply say, hey, I feel like in my heart, I keep my language real humble and I try, Wow. right? And if you do that every day, you're going to have testimony and you're going to begin to develop a culture with a group of people of actually trying to obey the Lord. And he loves it, right? Mm-hmm. He loves mm-hmm. obedience because obedience is... Your effort in trying to take risks for him is the evidence that you love him. Wow. You know? So it's like, come on, I want to do that. I'm not saying people who don't don't. What I'm saying is it's a form of obedience that like yeah. I really love to participate in. And Jesus actually you get said, yeah. yeah, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It wasn't even like, oh, I'm going to, like, you know, you, you don't love me. You don't care. It wasn't that tone. He was saying, well, if you do, then here's how you yeah. show it. That's exactly what you just said. Like, just, just show God your love in this way. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like I, I shared this story when I was there, but it's, it's one of my favorite stories. Like when I was at uh, Rudders, uh, Rudders is the gas station here in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I went in there and grabbed the coffee and I felt like I was 2% sure that God told me to buy licorice and I don't like licorice. Hmm. And I was, and it was this display. It was a king size pack and, and I'm frugal. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to buy an $8 pack of licorice at a gas station. But I'm like, man, I just feel like I'm supposed to buy this licorice. So like I was 2% sure the thought was from God. So I, I grabbed the licorice. I put it in my car. I'm going to speak to this group of girls at New Life for Girls. It's a, a recovery place. Mm-hmm. And, and I get in the car and I'm driving there and I have a thought. In my mind, I see myself walking into their chapel, holding up the licorice. And I say this, who prayed for licorice last night? And that's all I see. And I'm wow. like, I'm like, that's not the Lord. And then. <laughs> On my way in, I felt convicted. What if it is? You know, so I mm-hmm. grabbed my Bible, grabbed the licorice, walked in, and I said, Who prayed for licorice last night? A girl burst out in tears. Somebody actually prayed that God would bring her licorice. You, <laughs> oh, you know my what I mean? Word, man. That's crazy. And it's like, but that, see, what's so silly about all of this is you might say, Wow, that guy really hears from the Lord. I'm telling you, it was as light as a feather. The thought mm. was so quiet, it was so subtle, it was like. If I had to put money on it, if I was a betting man, I'd say no. There's no way to this is the Lord. But like, but sometimes I think when people share, like, look what the Lord did through me, they make it sound like they have this crystal clear line. Yeah. And it's like nobody does. Everybody sees in part, knows in part. Everyone's just trying. Yeah. And they're taking risk. And it might be. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think we end up getting in trouble when we end up presenting ourselves as like, well, that's just how I do it. No, like for every time I've heard, there's five times I didn't and there's times where I chickened out, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and I, know. I think anyway. that I think most people, I mean, I just speak for myself. I know like whenever 
I'm praying or believing for the Lord to do something and I have to have confidence. And then it ends up happening. And I'm like, oh my word, that was the Lord. Ah." You know, (laughs) there's always the temptation to be like, man, I hear God so well. It's like that pride comes in immediately. The enemy wants you to like reinterpret what happened, (laughs) like to make it seem like you did just an incredible job. Um, But that's that's what I, I like because that's so normal. That is so normal for spiritual Christians to like give a testimony and make it like sound like, man, I was so confident. And it's cool to be like, yeah, I really did feel confident that was the Lord, but also be honest about the times you weren't. Like, you like, I don't know. Maybe it is. I hope, you know. Yeah, like, so even if I shared uh, seven testimonies from the last year, there was a million moments. And I shared seven, and all I have is seven, even though there was a million. So what am I? I'm seven out of a million, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> It's so easy to condense a story. I did it in my testimony. I condensed the story, and it sounds like, whoa, that dude's walking in some stuff. No, no, no. I described four moments over Mm. the course of 20 years. Yeah. You you know? So, like, sometimes we just need to, like, calm down, you know, (laughs) and just be more honest about our, our, be honest about our struggles. And that's a relational thing, too. Yeah. Here's, here's what I've been, been really wrestling with lately. And it's, it's, People need to do better, but without relationship, it's, it, it comes across as critical. So let, let me say this. Um, we need to allow, we need to form relationship with people so we can have trust, so we can be transparent, so that people can help us get better. Mm-hmm. And we need to see our need to get better. And it's not, you're not good enough. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the book of Acts is possible. Mm-hmm. Right? The, if the book of Acts is possible, then we can get better. If, if we can do the things that Jesus didn't even more to those who believe, then we can get better. Wow. And we need to be in relationship with people that are doing better so that they, so that they can spur us on so that we can walk like, mm. you know, and the, the, the better you get at walking, the more people, or uh, I want to say um, the more groups of people that God will introduce to you that, that can take you to the next place that God's calling you to. Thank you so much for watching ISO Insights, ISO Bible College's podcast. And I wanted to let you know about something that we offer, making it easy for you to see the rest of the courses that we have sampled in our videos here on our YouTube channel. You can use our all access pass, which you can find more about both in the description below and at isow.org, our website. By using the all access pass subscription, $99 a month, will get you full access to all of our course catalogs. So please do go over and check out our all-access pass at iso.org. You know, it's, it's crazy is in a lot of churches where people will hype up, because I, when I was a kid, there was a really big temptation to hype up stories where miracles would happen, if that makes sense. Like a miracle is a miracle, right? But to overplay it, like to, to aggrandize it. And that can end up leading to like not being honest with yourself about when something doesn't occur or when you really didn't see the results that you were praying for. Um, yeah. I think the reason I mentioned that is because you mentioned relationships being a huge part of being able to operate in the gifts of the spirit and kind of like being checking in on each other, being confrontational in a healthy way. I think I've seen a lot of churches who don't have, when you don't have a really healthy culture of relationship where everybody really knows and cares about each other. There can be so much of an obsession over the dramatic that people are pushed 
into making stuff, like trying to make something happen, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, we, I was just, um, I just, I just dealt with this, right? So there was a, um, um, and it, it grieved me. There was, there was a, a speaker at a church camp with youth and, and kids were actually being pushed over. Wow. Right. And it's like, like literally, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, are we still doing this? Like, <laughs> like not only is that traumatic, but then it, it actually falsifies the whole movement. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And maybe God mm-hmm. was doing that at one point, but man, like it, you gotta you gotta have a relationship with the Holy Spirit to see what He's doing at this meeting. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe there was a time where God was anointing this one guy called the Shover, and the, every time He shoved somebody, they went out in the spirit. But like, <laughs> like it's it's a you're never gonna get away from relationship and yeah. having to be dependent upon the Lord to hear what it is that He's doing or see what He's doing. Mm-hmm. He, he, the moment that we go mechanical with it is the moment. Um, like I prepare a sermon every Sunday. Lord knows if that's what I say, but it's prepared mm-hmm. and I might mm-hmm. get to it. But if the Lord tells me something else, I'm doing something else. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm really good at, at, at keeping it to a half hour, you know, but it, it's like we've, we, we sometimes, how can I say this? That's appropriate. Um, the moment that I stop point, like, so when I said this, when I said this, I was 2% sure. It was a fleeting thought. It felt like a feather. I, I would have put money on it that it wasn't. I'm inviting people to try. Mm. Right? Yeah. I'm relationally yeah. telling you that I don't have these huge spiritual muscles and, and you don't have to either and, and you can try too and just see what happens, right? Um, the worst thing that could happen is you look a little foolish for a moment, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I think what ends up happening is, is there's a lack of relationship and then all of a sudden, as people, we want a Moses to go. Mm-hmm. You go talk to God. Come back. Tell us what he says. And the same thing's true in the charismatic movement is that we want, we want to we know that we're right. We want to know that God's still moving. Um, just you, you go and make sure that he's moving through you. Come back and tell us what he did, and we'll feel right about where we stand in our theology. Mm. It's like, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, um, and... And I understand there's different interpretations of this past of this passage, but one of the interpretations of the Nicolaitans, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is that word uh, Nike, which is um, victory over the people, mm-hmm. uh, is is that there would be a separation between the ministers and the people, and and we can get into this place where we teach people to be in need of ministry. Mm-hmm. Wow! Right? Wow. It's like you you're not called to be in need; you're called to be a minister. Mm-hmm. You're actually called to deny yourself pick up your cross and follow him, not need someone to minister to you. Wow. You're called to actually become one and have testimony. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Oh yeah. And so yeah. like, and, and this is what's so good. And I, I'm going to just tell you this, right. Is that there's no, there's no lid to you, right. There's, there's nothing that you can't do that Christ did. Mm-hmm. He has a high bar for you and you're meant to hit it. Cause he actually calls you the body of Christ, right. Mm-hmm. He calls you beloved. Mm-hmm. He, he calls, he calls you a minister. He's, and, and you have a calling on your life and man, all of that is available to you, mm. right? It's available mm. to everybody who's listening. It's just, do we run with people that practice? Wow. Cause whoever you run with is what you're becoming because whatever they tolerate, you're, they're going to, you're going to tolerate too. Yeah. And if you, your group tolerates a lack of testimony, you're going to, too, you know, wow. if it doesn't bother you that a whole week went by 
and you didn't hear a single word from the Lord to do anything, if that doesn't bother you, it won't, it doesn't bother your group either. Mm. You know, mm. but what if that bothered us? Like when I, every time I start a meeting, I said, does anybody have any testimony from the week? Every time. And if nobody has anything, this is what I say. I say, guys, um, did we go a whole week and not do the one thing we're commanded to do, which is love people. Wow. And it's like, that, that's really sobering, you know? And so testimony is pr- fresh testimony for Christians to meet and not share testimony, I think is so ironic, you know, because what are you going to emphasize? You're going to emphasize either learning about God instead of becoming like him. Wow. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. You're like, you're called to become like him. You're called to do the things he did. And I'm not, I'm not against learning about him. I had to learn mm-hmm. about him and I had to read the Bible and I had to learn all that stuff. But as believers, we need to, we can't cater to always knowing about him, we we must let the, the new believers understand this is what you're becoming. Mm. Right? You're becoming a minister. That's what the high call of Christ is, you know? Wow. I remember when you were here a few weeks ago, and like while we're wrapping up and closing here, I know we're headed that way, um, but you mentioned a few weeks ago when you were teaching here at ISO uh, in the course that you were doing for practical use of spiritual gifts, how when it comes to words of knowledge, like in 1 Corinthians 14, the flip side of like, not just, hey, one side is, you know, we need to pursue this. This is about loving people. And of course, but like the result of that, what is like the ideal result? And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, if you operate in prophecy, when the unbelievers among you and they come in in your midst, God's going to be through you revealing the secrets of their heart. And they're going to end up collapsing on the ground and crying out like God is among you. He's in your midst. So you, you said uh, when you were teaching, you were like, man, I'd like to see that more often. Like, I'm, I'm aiming for that. Um, yeah. And uh, you even, you, I think you shared a story one time. You might have went at a conference with Brother Todd White, like to a, some kind of a, like a, a deli or something. And yeah. a similar, something pretty much like that happened to a, a young lady who was like serving or something at a table. But um, when you had said that, that really hit me because... Uh, how much like people are hungry for God to know that they're seen just like that guy at the gas station, you know, that you just, you, if you finish it off, like this is a word from the Lord, it doesn't sound like it has to be difficult, but it feels like the enemy wants us to believe it's going to be really just super embarrassing, super difficult every single time. Yeah. Yeah. See, now you got me, you got me teared up when you, when you quoted that verse, um, hmm. because that, that is, um, it's, it's possible. And, and I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to like make anybody feel like, like one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and, and I'm going to see the truth because that's who he is. And I'm going to see the truth and the possibility of what could have been, hmm. right? That's going to be a part of the package that I'm seeing because we're all going to see the light and the light's going to reveal the truth about hmm. us, who hmm. we were, our own effort, what could have been, the possibilities, our potential in him. Holy moly, right? And I would like it to overlap a little bit with my life. Hmm. I would hmm. like my life to have kissed upon what was possible, right? And... Um, so like when you're sharing that verse, it's like, that's what Paul's idea was of what, of what church was supposed to be. It was supposed to be such a place of awe, not in a form of entertainment, but is God still among us? Hmm. And, and that's why like, that tears me up. These, this is me crying, even though there's no tears, my eyes get red. Um, that's what tears me up is like, is God still among us? Is, did, did anything happen at church that we couldn't have pulled off? without God. Wow. Right. And, and it, it, is there anything in your life that says God's still with you? And, and, and like, so there's a tension, right? So, uh, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
But then there's also a certain kind of presence that says this, if you draw near, near to me, I will draw near to you. Mm. There's the verse about humbling yourself and he'll pour his favor out upon you. And it's like part of his favor is power. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I can walk humbly and not, and not give myself the quick out of yeah. who, who am I? Well, the Bible tells you who you are. Mm. You know, you're the, he was the firstborn among many brethren, you know, and the Bible talks very highly of you. So like, it's easier to, to, to downplay your potential, but it's not cool, wow. you know? And, and I, I really believe that what Paul was saying was actually supposed to be normal. And what they got away from in the, in the Corinthian church is the unbeliever wasn't convicted when they showed up to meetings. They just said, well, this is just sort of weird. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, if we get into weird and we don't get into effective, mm. I don't know. Like we, 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 we stopped. Paul should probably be correcting us. Right. Yeah. Cause it's a, it's about being effective, but even more so than being effective, it's about being obedient and trying. You can't be effective without being, without trying. Wow. And so oh. I'm okay. I'm okay with not being effective, but I'm not okay with not trying. You know, you know, it's crazy. Like, um, I, I was, able, I was really blessed. I, I was able to help Dr. B with the teaching for first Corinthians. And, um, <clears throat> when I was diving in, reading about that, trying to figure it out, um, asking for the Lord's help. One of the most shocking things, because, uh, that's like something I would go to if I ever talked to somebody who was a Christian that was against the gifts of the spirit, like tongues and prophecy being for today. I'd go to that, like straight up that one, boom, first Corinthians. But one of the big things is like people, Pentecostals, when they hear somebody being like, why are you guys doing all this crazy stuff in church? It's overwhelming. And they'll use 1 Corinthians. It's easy to also be like, well, yeah, but you can't say these gifts aren't from God. Like you're trying to say it's all just not from God, but that's clearly not what's going on. But Paul, when he, like you mentioned, when he talked about it, it wasn't that it wasn't from God, but Christians have control over how to steward them properly. And he said to the Corinthians, you guys just use spiritual gifts to entertain yourselves, to feel like that you're better than other Christians, like that you're superior. You're not actually using it to love people or to love each other or unbelievers. Like you come in and you try to make yourselves feel good, um, yeah. which is really shocking. First of all, like that, that you can do that with spiritual gifts, but even more, like you said, there's a way more effective way of living this life as a Christian. Yeah. And like, you know, you just, you just kind of hit this. If, if someone's expressing the gift in service and it's not effective, we're going to have a conversation. Mm. Right. And, and that conversation, like if, if there's somebody like, um, worshiping from the stage and, and they, they speak in tongues and they don't interpret or explain what they were doing, we're going to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, you're against the gifts. I'm not against the gifts. I'm just, I'm against gifts that aren't effective, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if you need to practice the gift more, then that's on you. But if you're going to be on the stage operating in a gift, I do need it to be effective. Mm-hmm. Or you're mm-hmm. making the gift look ineffective mm-hmm. and God's gifts aren't, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we really, we really try to have an honest conversation about the gifts and make sure that they're effective. If it's not effective, then you're actually modeling something that shouldn't be modeled from the stage. That should be modeled in practice somewhere else until it is effective. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally Just makes like sense. I wouldn't pull somebody up on the stage to preach for the first time randomly unless yeah. the Lord told me to, right? Um, because why? Because they're, they, they're not effective uh, yet, mm. and they probably mm. need to practice more. So the, the stage isn't a place to practice. It doesn't mean that I don't try, and it's okay to try. 
if, if it's not effective, there should be some humility that follows. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. I think often what we model is pride in our gifts from the stage. And then naturally you're teaching pride. Yeah. And you know, um, it'd be amazing. I, th- this one person, oh man, it was said, it was such humility. This person came up once at like a prayer night and she said, I really hate what I'm about to do right now. I felt like the Lord told me to come up here and grab the microphone. I have something to say in tongues. I'm supposed to sing it. I don't like this. I I hate to sing in front of people. And and I don't even know if, if my tongues is from the Lord, but I'm just trying to be obedient. Please forgive me. Shut up. And she started singing in tongues. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what an amazing introduction. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was basically like, I don't want to do this. I just have the fear of the Lord upon me. I feel like I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. So please forgive me as I do this, you know? And I was just like, you know, perfect. <laughs> The reluctant, like the reluctant tongue singer, you know, but that's an awesome yeah. way to approach it. Like, like that's a pretty good correction of like being overly confident and being like, oh yeah, yeah I got this. Let's do this. Boom. Hand me that mic. Yeah. Oh man. And, uh, and it did, it did feel like it was the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, man, cause it's his kind of like his presence came in after that, wow. after that act, you know, so you could, you could feel the effect. And, um, so anyway, there, yeah. there, there's a, there's, there's so much, I mean, we could go on for hours about the gifts cause it's, it's such a topic and then it's so cultural. So yeah. I'm not saying my way is, is the best way. I'm just saying like, I don't have a traditional background. I don't even, I've never really been to charismatic meetings outside of the ones that I've practiced in. You mm. know what I mean? I've been to some other churches, but even charismatic churches don't really practice the gift. The majority I've been to don't actually even practice the gifts. Nah, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, people are really getting away from it. And uh, at our church, we have a room. It's called the ministry room. It's We're, we're in an old school building mm-hmm. uh, that we own. We all meet in the cafeteria. And then there's the kitchen where you go in with your tray and come out the other door. That's our ministry room. We have booths set up there, like these little half partition walls. Mm-hmm. We have 10 ministers mm-hmm. back there, the whole service. We give words of knowledge. People go back there, get ministered to. We have like 20, you know, testimonies every Sunday of, of God doing cool things. And the reason we did that is because we needed a system in place in which people could minister to other people and we'd get testimony. Mm. Right. And we really believe God's going to show up. So we have a system around it, you know? Wow. Well, that's awesome. I mean, uh, and that's like how Dr. Cutshaw, our president here was introduced like, well, first of all, he came to church um, cause you guys like had been in, in, you know, correspondence and, that really blew him away. I know that that system you had set place in the church. But um, in closing, I wanted to say, like, if there's anything kind of like to wrap up this thought, somebody's listening and they're like, okay, man, I, because I can, I can see somebody who's listening to this. And the, the one thing they keep on coming back to, like from the beginning to the end, is that parable about the talents. Mm-hmm. And they're feeling that conviction, like, man, I'm not living a life that's actively walking out the love of Jesus. What would you say to that person? Like, man, I'm kind of freaked out because I want to start. I just don't know where to begin. Yeah, well, first off, I know exactly what I would have done is that one one parable, that one talent person, the the reason why the other two got more is because they were more trustworthy, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the gateway to humility is can you locate somebody who has more of what you don't have and then go talk to them and figure out how they, wow. right? Yeah. Because I, I would like to know, and that's, that's what I did with Dr. B, right? Here's somebody was that was presented to me 
who had been trusted with more than I had been. So what did I do? I just went to him and said, how, how come you're trusted with more? God has, God, God has trusted you with more than he's trusted with me. Mm-hmm. And him and I had a long conversation. It turned into consulting. It turned into me being trained by him. It turned into a relationship. But it was so easy to see that he was a 10-talent guy and I was a one-talent dude. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to go figure out how to be trusted with more. And God's been trusting me with more, mm. right? Yeah. So you're, but so many people, I think, um, maybe call it insecurity or whatever. It's like, I don't have time for that. Like I have one life and I got to figure out how can God trust me more? Wow. Okay. And I, I just, I would leave everybody with these three things. Everybody can do these three things, right? The first thing is, is that he rewards those who seek him in private, have mm. a strong prayer life, seek him every morning. To not seek him is to say that you can do life on your own. To not seek him is to not to eat of the bread of life. To not seek him in the morning is to not have the fruits of the spirit during the day. Come on, have everything added on to you. I'm signing up for it. I'm going to seek him, right? Yeah. The second is he, he gives more to those who are trusted with what they have. So we need to steward what we have well. And what I, where I think we, we end up, um, how could I say that? A lot of times people don't understand what they have and they justify positionally where they are. Like I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor, Mm. right? That doesn't mean I'm a good one, Mm. right? So it's like, well, God has trusted, God has currently trusted you with your position. It doesn't mean that you're going to have it forever. It depends on how you do with it, right? That humbles me and causes me to want to do a better job. And if you're bored in Christianity, it's because you need more responsibility. Wow. The reason why you don't have more responsibility is because he doesn't trust you yet with more, right? So God loves you. That doesn't mean he trusts you. He can't love you anymore, but he can trust you more. So I'm fighting for more trust, right? That's why I'm trying to steward what I have well, okay? So I'm going to seek him in the morning. I'm going to steward what I have well, which means I'm going to humble myself and everything I have to have his favor be poured upon me. Because if I have his favor, right, then I can pull off the job he's given me. God always gives you more than you can handle, and you're either going to pretend like you can or you're going to humble yourself and say, you can't, I need help, right? We all need help. The third thing is that by faith, I'm going to prepare a bigger vessel. And what I mean by that is like currently at my church, um, we are breaking down a structure and creating a new structure because we're believing that God's, we're preparing a bigger boat because we believe God's going to send more people by faith, right? Mm, so God has given everybody everything they can handle. So this is a little cup here, right? It's filled to the brim. Everything that you have, God always fills to the brim. So if everything's filled to the brim, I'm going to work on a bigger container. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I just have olive oil sitting here. Isn't that funny? That's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to build a bigger container because if I have a better habits, better systems, better relationships, I'm doing a better job. I'm getting help. I'm humbling myself. Where are my weaknesses? Can you help me fix it? And, and doing all that, God says, now that's the kind of person I can trust with me. Wow. Right? So I'm going to seek him in the morning because he rewards those who seek him. I'm going to humble myself and, and steward what I have well because he gives favor to the humble and he can trust more to those who have been trustworthy. And by faith, I'm going to build a bigger vessel. Right? Wow. That's awesome. Like even in my family, like by faith, I have to, I have to like build times with my kids to where I'm being a better dad. Like I need to mm-hmm. carve out a bigger place to do that. You know, in my marriage, I need to carve out a, a bigger boat to actually create a place for myself to have more relationship with my wife. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I'm going to do that by faith, knowing that it'll be filled. Wow. You know, that's awesome. So, 
That's what I would say to everybody. Everybody is capable of doing everything I said. And that's what the Lord rewards. Humility, seeking him, being trustworthy with what you have, by faith building a bigger boat or a bigger vessel for him to fill. Wow. Well, that's incredible. And I can't add any better closing to the episode than that, honestly. Uh, yeah. Everyone who would hear would do those those four things, that beginning with humility, but those three things. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much, Pastor Adam, for coming on and uh, doing this interview with us. Uh, you're yeah. awesome. <laughs> We're really, it's always well, encouraging to hear from you. And, and God's awesome, I know. Uh, God, God's the one, he, everything comes from him. But uh, we always love having you and hearing what you have to say. You've got so much to pour out and to help people with. So thank you so much. And you guys, uh, go blessed. And I hope that, <clears throat> I know, I don't just hope, I know that this episode has really given you something that you can grab hold of and step out in faith with. So we'll catch you next time on ISO Insights. 